Welcome to The Sale Ring, a podcast dedicated to real estate brokers, agents, and America's top auctioneers that keep the markets moving. Join your hosts, Sean and Trina, as they talk with most successful realtors, marketing and technology experts, investors, and influencers. This show is devoted to all industry professionals looking to up their game and stay up to date. Welcome to The Sale Ring. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of the Sale Ring Podcast. Trina, how are you doing? I am great. How are you, Sean? I am great. And we got our good friend, Mr. Mike Branley, back for another episode. Hey, Mike. Hey, Sean, Trina. Good to see you guys. You're all doing well, looks like. Trina's got a beautiful scene there. Golly yeah. sake. I'm at the lake. Yeah, <laughs> outstanding. I wish I was there for we, real. Uh, we, uh, we drew the short straw here, I think, in terms of uh, scenery, so... You guys can also be at the lake. You just go to the background section <laughs> on your video. <laughs> That's doable. Yeah. It's uh, it's good to have Mike back. We just had that podcast episode here a week or so ago, which was great. You know, the topics were awesome. And then he wrote a couple more articles and I thought, Mike, would you want to come back? You know, I'd love to do you know, just another follow-up because um, Trina and I get to read in these articles and it's like, that is exactly a hot topic in the auction, the real estate industry that needs to be talked about, you know, in an open forum over uh, in a discussion. So we'd love everybody's feedback. You know, there's always ways in the Sale Ring podcast where you can go in and leave comments. You can email us. We can forward those to Mike or Mike's contact information's in there, but this is the kind of stuff that keeps advancing the ball in the industry. So thanks for all you do right out of the gate, Mike. I, I appreciate oh, it. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Great to be with you again. Super platform we're doing here. Like it. Yeah. How about Zoom? You know, we're oh, looking yeah. at each other and Yeah. We used to Yeah, I mean, a lot of Zoom here lately, I suppose. Uh what well, didn't you guys read or I saw certainly Zoom stock and Zoom participation. Oh uh, yeah. The last uh, two, three months has been uh a million fold what it was before this. So a lot of people familiar with the platform get a lot of good use out of it. Somebody would have had the foresight to go out and buy stock in that company. <laughs> right. A lot. Yeah. yeah. And then there's people like Sean. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> you know, I consider myself more of an observer uh, and an action person, you know, taking action. It's risky. And, uh, yeah. It's like it a is. watch. Yeah. yeah. Like a watch. <laughs> accolades you made a lot of money and i watched you do it and i feel good about myself now i got to see that happen for you <laughs> yeah that uh so that's my life story uh <laughs> how i got to where i'm at <laughs> i've managed to watch my way to the middle yeah watch your way to the middle i like that <laughs> I want you to watch. add that to your email tagline from now on. I'm going to put that in my resume. Yeah. Sean, <laughs> he achieved something. A couple yeah. things. Yeah, a couple <laughs> things. He, he did okay. You Got know? about halfway there. <laughs> if he'd lived longer, he would have amounted to average. Yeah, average, yeah. yeah. But uh, unfortunately, he, he didn't make it. <laughs> It is good. It's kind of interesting when the stock markets are declining. You see a lot of things that are, well, look at oil, crude oil and fuels. And I mean, there's so much stuff that's kind of taken a nosedive. And yet Zoom, it's bucking against the current out there. And it's just, um, man, it's just done tremendous. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I'm I'm on, and you probably you guys probably are too. Uh, three, four, five. Mm-hmm. I had a week where I was seven or eight Zoom meetings, training, what have you, here for the last month or two. So. Do you guys suppose it'll keep going once everything starts reopening? I mean, things have started reopening, but do you expect this to be a new trend that just keeps continuing? I kind of do expect it to continue. I, I forget the company. Some major company here in the United States was sending people home to work because they can't come into the office. And the CEO yeah. announced yesterday, from now on, you can just work from home, period. We're not going to have anybody at the office ever again. So it's, it's forced people to try things that they might not have tried otherwise. But once you yeah, try it, yeah. you say, oh, hey, this is kind of neat. This, this We can make this work. And it's yeah. a lot cheaper than rent and, and utilities. So, yeah. It never fails from, uh, you know, times of, of just trial out there where we're, we're tried as, um, as a society. There's always positive things. It forces you to move. It forces yeah. you to do something different. And every time you do that, you say, well, you know, this wasn't actually that bad. This worked pretty well. So it will advance uh, technology. It's going to advance marketing and daily routines. Where We may even have some positives come out of this where we learn to communicate better with each other spend a little bit more time focused on uh, the family and slow down just a little bit. I know these stay-at-home orders, yet uh, I've had numerous people that just in their household environments have told me how healthy it's been for their internal kind of that nucleus of the family there to visit and to spend time with each other and to put the phones down for a little bit. So that's not bad. No, it's not all bad. It is not all bad. And learning, as you, as you just said, learning new things or being forced to learn new things and kind of broadening your horizon a little bit. I think a lot of these places that were just live auctions, for that matter, have now experimented with online, for example, yeah. because they've been forced to. I'd be surprised if all of them went back to live and didn't continue the online. I think a lot of them are going to say, well, you know what? This online's not so bad. I think we're going to stay right here. That kind of transition. The Sale Ring, online at www.thesaleRing.com. It's been quite a few years ago. I saw a comparative chart one time that talked about the advancements in um, medicine, uh, in manufacturing on the macro. And there was periods, like date periods, where they had moved the ball quite a ways just in a three or four year period of time. And they directly correlated with wars, World War One, yeah. World War Two, the Vietnam War. And there were things that were taken out of that kind of an environment because so much stress and so much focus was put on yeah. what was going on. It forced us to have to stop and focus on one thing. And it's amazing what we can do when we do that. Yeah, precisely. Focus on something because you get so entrenched in just keeping the wheels on and doing what you always did and it's not broken so we don't need to fix it and that kind of mentality. And that's not all bad, but this has pushed it, pushed people and and moved the bar to you got to try something else or you got to do something else to survive. And that's a pretty strong motivator. Well, Mike, there's two things that you've written about recently um, since that you're a busy guy, by the way, you're putting these, these articles. We talked about this last time he was on too. It's just how many articles, how many are you up to now? Around 1100. And um, I was trying to publish a little more frequently to uh, get the draft folder emptied out, but it's not working out because as, the more I publish, the more I sit there and think, well, but I got to write about this. So I, draft folder setting about as full as it was two months ago. And here I've published another 
maybe a hundred or so blogs in the meantime. And, you know, I'm at home a lot. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> here we are. There's two topics that you've written about I'd love to cover today in this show. One of them is the use or misuse, as you put it, of maximum bids that are placed in an online bidding platform. The other is the advertisement or implied as is, where is, but not allowing the bidder to have the opportunity to inspect property. And and we'll get into that maybe in the second half of the show, but let's talk about maximum bids. And if you don't mind, first, just for the listeners out there, we have a pretty broad audience, not just auction community, but a lot of real estate, a lot of just average consumers that listen to this show Set this up what maximum bids are. Kind of it, you know, paint a picture of what we're talking about. Well, I would explain it this way that for centuries, bidders have come to auctions. Take a live auction in the 1950s. I may have walked into your auction, Sean, and saw something and said, gee, I'm willing to pay $1,000 for that. I'm willing to pay as much as $1,000 for that. Now, I didn't tell anybody, I kept that information to myself. The bidding's at three and a quarter. Somebody else was three and a half. I'm at 375. Can't get 400. Sold for 375 to me. Now, I was willing to pay $1,000, but I got it, you know, for 350 or whatever. So it didn't maximize my bid. I didn't maximize my bid. I could have. It was up to me, but, but I didn't need to because there weren't other bidders pushing the bid up beyond that 350, for example. Well, then we started, and, and this has been going on for a while. I would come to your auction, Sean, and I can't stay. I got to go home. I'm busy. I'm going to leave you a bid. So I'm willing to go up to $1,000 on that item, but I want you to bid competitively for me. I want you to bid as if I'm standing here. And in our prior example, maybe it sells for $350. Well, that's fine. But I want you to treat my absentee bid or proxy bid, if you will, in the same fashion as if I would have treated it had I been here. So we've been doing that for a while. And there's been misuse, as we discussed earlier, in that process. Because see, you, I have to show, Sean, I have to give you the piece of paper that says I'm willing to pay up to without, you have to know what my maximum bid is. Does that motivate you, encourage you to get it to $1,000? Because you know I'm willing to pay $1,000. Are you going to make sure I get there? run the bid up to or portray that there's other bidders pushing the bid up to. And I call later and say, you know, did I get, or you call me maybe and say, Hey, you got the item. And I say, Oh, great, great. What to go for thousand dollars. Oh, big surprise. I left you a thousand dollars. And what happened? Well, I got all the way up to a thousand. Nobody bid a thousand fifty or a thousand twenty-five, but somebody sure bid nine seventy-five. That means I'm a thousand dollars. I'm a pretty good guesser. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Remarkable. <laughs> I should get I should get in the appraisal business. I knew exactly what that item was gonna bring three weeks before the auction. I'm I'm a genius. Exactly. Not only did I know that, I knew that on 17 items in that auction. <laughs> exactly. More or less online bidding is a proxy or absentee bid process in that the bidder sticks in their maximum bid. In some software, you can put in a maximum bid. And then you expect, you kind of expect it to be handled in that same fashion competitively as if I was bidding myself, but I'm going to be doing other stuff. So the software is supposed to be bidding for me. 
Now, the, uh, I should say, the terms may be different. Maybe the terms say in this online platform, if I lead $1,000, by gosh, it's, it's going to kick in at $1,000. And that's fine if that's the terms. It's fine if I know those are the terms. Yeah. But generally speaking, people don't expect that. That's not customary. Customary is I leave $1,000, the bid starts at three and a quarter, three and a half, can't get 375, sold for 350, and I get it for 350. But online, it has become a um, horrible problem for bidders because the online software has the, the maximum bid. The auctioneer can, in some cases, sign on to the platform see the maximum bid, all I got to do, in essence, what some auctioneers do, well, I'm just going to register my sister here and I'm going to have her bid up to 975 and then we can hit this bidder at $1,000 and uh, get it sold. That's obviously not proper. That's not legal. That's not ethical. That's not reasonable. That's not what people expect. And people take notice. In the article I wrote, I said, you know, this woman looks at her phone and sees she won 17 items for exactly her maximum bid. I mean, what are the odds of that? Well, they're astronomical that that would not happen unless somebody has seen the bid and pushed it there. And so what this does is cause bidders to not trust the auction process. We're losing trust. We probably lost that woman who bid on 17 items and, and the auctioneer ran the bid up on all those 17 items to her maximum bid. How many more times is she going to participate in an auction? Zero. She's going to check out. We lost her. Yep. That's right. We didn't just lose her. I'm fearful that the auction industry is losing them. There's no question. There's Mike, no if you do that, and it's an honesty, it's an integrity issue, it's reflective of the industry. Mm-hmm. And now you've caused, potentially, you've caused me to lose them as a buyer and Trina to lose them as a buyer and the other tens of thousands of auctioneers in the country. Right. right. You don't want to lose her or him. You lose everybody they talk to, their neighbors, their friends, their co-workers, their family. Hey, don't buy at auction because you can't trust the process. And we wonder, auctioneers will say, you guys have heard auctioneers say, I can't get the younger generation to participate in our auctions, or I don't get the crowds I used to get. Well, no wonder the way you treat them. Of course they don't participate. Yes, sir. It's interesting, you know, and, and let's recap. What you're talking about is having access into what's deemed to be a controlled environment, a secure environment from that bidder. It's about consumer protection, right? That's going to be part of this is I was under the perception that when I put a bid into eBay and I become lax and I have sold, I have bought and sold items myself on eBay. So I'm familiar with what you can and cannot see Mm-hmm. And if they have a function that would allow you to say, well, I'd be willing to go up to this price in a competitive bid format, but we're leaving tomorrow on vacation and I want the machine to do the work for me to bid absentee or proxy bid in my place on my behalf, incrementally, right. when somebody in the open market competitively bids against me, then it would reinstall a bid for me. That's, that's all I'm asking. My perception is that's a safe act it's not going to be used against me. So here's where the conversation maybe goes between you and I is when that happens, first, let's talk about disclosure. Is there an opportunity for an auction company that's going to do that to put people on notice and say, 
By the way, if you're bidding in this platform on our website, I have visibility into your maximum bid and we will use those to the seller's best advantage because I say it like that because that's the number one comment that I, well, I'm working for the seller. My contract's not with the buyer, it's with the seller. But you can't be an auctioneer without buyers. Yeah. You're ruining the stable of the industry for buyers. You're ruining your stable of buyers in the auction environment. And when you run all of them off, you're going to have a lot of inventory left that nobody will touch because not because of the auction platform, but because of you and your That's actions. It. That's it. A lack of trust. I can't trust the process. And, and we all do business with retailers, shops, stores, what have you, based on whether we trust you know, I take my shoes for repair to a certain shoe repair person because I trust him. I don't take him to this other place because I felt like I took advantage of and I don't do business with him anymore. So, you know, trust is right at the top of what you want. And what would an auctioneer want more than, hey, you can you can trust him or trust her. I mean, that would be the goal, would it not, to be trusted? But if you're not trustworthy, you're not going to be trusted. And Sean, you said, some auctioneers will argue well, it is my fiduciary responsibility to maximize the bid because I'm working for the seller. So I have to get that bid up to their maximum bid. Well, that's not how auctions work. That's not the process. You don't have to maximize the bid. You have to treat bidders. The common law treatment of customers are generally these three concepts, honesty, fair dealing, and integrity. Well, if you're maximizing their bid without their knowledge, you're not being honest. There's not much integrity there. And there's certainly not fair deal. Yeah. I personally, and Trina, you can weigh in on this, but I personally, if you were to pose this question to all sellers that here's what I'm going to do and it'll be in your best interest, there's a good percentage of sellers that would say, don't do that. I understand that it, my tractor, my vase, my farm could bring more money, but you know, Something about that doesn't seem right. If you're going to do that, at least let them know that's what you're doing. If you're going to leverage that, let them know what you're doing. I mean, Trina, yeah, so you, you haven't always been in the auction industry no. I mean, for several years. In your prior life, your prior to being exposed to auctions, how would you feel if you found out that that happened to you as an online buyer? Well, yeah, I'd be pretty pissed. I mean, just quite frankly, I'd be pretty mad as a buyer. I might even be mad as a seller um, because the chances of those buyers, you know, walking away from the deal, you know, if somebody magically won those 17 items and they were the, you know, the, their max bid on all 17 items in Mike Brainley's first example, what are the chances they're actually going to close on all 17 items or they're just going to call? No, no, nope. I'm nope. There's something wrong here. You know, now you're doing a disservice to both the buyers and the sellers because you don't have any backup bidders. You have this fictitious person, your sister's name, that she didn't buy those really. And now what are you going to do for your seller? So well, I, I think it kind of runs both ways. You have, I don't know, as a buyer or a seller, I'd be pretty angry with an auctioneer that did that. Well, my feeling is even with a point of argument, you're probably most of the time, the majority of the time, you'll get the person to close through threat fear. Yeah. You know, you'll get them to close on those 17 items. And what's really on the table right now is how do you get them to come back and participate in another auction? Yeah. As my dad used to say, my dad had a wonderful saying, and it is, you can shear a sheep many times, but you can only skin it once. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, right. It's no way to build a, um, a return customer type philosophy or build a database of bidders that say, boy, I love going to his auctions and I'm treated fairly and honestly and with integrity and all that stuff. This would be the opposite of that. And I think we can use that phrase, that, that well-known phrase, they don't see, the auctioneers don't see the trees for the forest. I'm maximizing the bids today but I lose this bidder the rest of my career. Well, let's compare and contrast making another $152 today versus never seeing that bidder again. And, and you don't have to even do the math there, right? So Mike, we're all in agreement that um, it's probably not a good idea. It's, it's not a good practice. Let's talk about scenarios where, because I believe there's some inherent liability also with it, but let's talk about scenarios where is there protection? If you're going to do that, is there is there a right way to do it? I mean, can you, as I previously mentioned, and, and I posed the question, then I talked over it, which is the first thing a host should never do is ask you a question and then jump on to something else. What about disclosures, disclaimers? You know, hey, I want you to know I'm working for the seller. If you put a max bid in, I'm going to use this. What's your feelings about that? Well, it kind of divides into two pieces. One, on the one hand, disclosures, disclaimers, waivers, all that stuff, generally speaking all auctioneers have it. And so I put in my disclaimer or my terms and conditions in this case, hey, if you leave me $1,000, <laughs> you're going to pay $1,000. Well, that's fine because I disclosed it. Yeah. However, what do you guys see every single day on Facebook and otherwise or talking to auctioneers? What do they say about bidders reading terms and conditions? They never do. Yeah. Never read. They don't know that's the policy. And partially, there's, there's two reasons that they don't read it. One, there's 122 pages of six-point type, and so they're not going to take the time to read it. And they can't counter it. What's an online auctioneer do? Click here to accept the terms, and then you can participate. There's no place to say, well, I don't like paragraph six. Well, if you don't like paragraph six, go somewhere else. Bad, right? yeah. <laughs> you know, take it or leave it. If you don't like paragraph six, you're sure not going to like paragraph seven. Yeah, <laughs> <Right>. or 42. <laughs> <laughs> so they don't read it. And auctioneers, um, quite frankly, some auctioneers bury that stuff where they couldn't find it if they were looking for it. Yeah. Harvard University, their uh, dean of their law school, wrote a paper here several years ago that said, we're really entering in a dangerous time in terms of contracting, contracts. Because contracts have to have, as you guys know, a meeting of the minds. But if you're updating your phone and saying, I agree, or signing paperwork from the cable company and you say, I agree, or you're on this online platform and you say, I agree to the terms, is there any meeting of the minds? You don't even know what you signed. You don't even know what you clicked. So do we really have contracts at all? That's an interesting topic right there. Yeah. You know how many times a day I click, yeah, okay, I accept this. And yeah, cookies are great too. That's fine, whatever. Just get me through to the site I want to look at. Well, yeah, you got a goal. I got to get to the target website here and I'm willing to click here, here, and here. I don't care what those things say. And you know why you don't care what they say? Because you can't do anything about them anyway. Yeah, it's either say yes or walk away and go to a different website, yeah. Right. Now, lastly, on this issue, auction related to could the term say, I maximize your bid? Could the term say that if you leave $1,000, we kick it in at 500 We kick it in halfway or a third. Or 
we bid larger increments when you're, or you, or if you leave a maximum bid of a thousand, some auction live auctioneers will tell you, well, yeah, I'll take that thousand dollar absentee bid, but they got to give me a starting bid. They got to tell yeah. me where to start. So I got a starting bid of 300 and going up to a thousand, you know, and online software could manage that or, or facilitate that. You can have any kind of bidding absentee proxy automated bidding process that you want to have as long as the bidder agrees with it understands it consents to it now you know do we really have consent and worse yet does the policy say one thing and the auctioneer or the, or the platform is doing something else yeah you know that doesn't clear up the issue even if you're starting the bid at 50 percent do they fully understand that you're going to go ahead and grab the balance of that through the practice <laughs> of creating a fictitious account? And I'm going to start it at 50%, so you get a fair shake, by the way, a little tiny print at the bottom, but I'm also going to use the rest of it. Yeah. Let me ask you this question, Mike. Let's jump over to this. Same topic. Absentee bids, whenever they're placed, or the maximum bid, rather. Crap, I just had a brain fart. Do you ever do that? You ever get right in the middle of something? No, and, yeah. no I don't do um, that. It's just you're old, that's all. I'm just old. <laughs> <laughs> They're here to take me back to the nursing home. So I <laughs> no, I had a thought about that, though, because we're talking about the misuse of absentee bids, but at the same token of, of maximum bids inside of a system. Give me a scenario. Here it is. Where would you ever need to see what the maximum bid is in a platform? Yeah. Give me a scenario why that should ever be exposed to an auctioneer. And I have one or two. I have some that people have, you know, they've manufactured and kind of pitched out there to me. But what's your thoughts, Mike? Well, to answer that question, I'm not convinced there's any reason for the auctioneer to see it. As long as, now, you know, you can have a system failure or the internet goes down or the platform, you know, burps or whatever. But um, if the software is going to manage those bids, why do that I is, yeah. need to see him? And the fact that he's willing to pay a thousand dollars and it's setting at three fifty, do I need to know? Why would I need to know that he's willing to pay a thousand? Yeah, help me. What does an auctioneer need to see that maximum bid for? Now, software packages are incentivized to show them to the auctioneer because what do they want? They want auctioneers on their platform. The mm-hmm. auctioneer says, well, I'm not going to put your stuff on your platform unless you show me the maximum bids. And the platform says, okay, then we'll show you the maximum bids. Well, what reason does the auctioneer want to see them? So he can yeah, <laughs> take so he can run them up. Bids, yeah. Fictitious bids up to that maximum. Mm. I have had um, that same question. I have asked auctioneers and uh, more than once there's been the response, well, what if somebody makes the mistake? They're putting a maximum bid in. It's a $10,000 item. They accidentally put their maximum bid at 100000 instead of ten. We can call them and say, I think you may have made a mistake when you installed that. Go back and recheck. You can reduce it. You can adjust it. But you put in $100,000 as your maximum bid. And clearly, at the most, this may be a $10,000 item, which legitimately, people make errors. They, they do make mistakes. But again, if there's $100,000 in the system, and somebody is bidding against them competitively in the system, it's not just going to use up the hundred that, well, the auctioneer, you know, that fictitious bidder may, but the reality is a a good competitive honest bid is going to bid market value and it's going to keep them up 
to it's going to keep them in up to the realistic price, right? All the, they could leave $100,000 on a $10,000 item. Another bidder bids $9,500, puts them in at $10,000. There's no other bidder. They get it for yeah. $10,000. And that reason for seeing it seems a little shallow to me or disingenuous. Uh, well, you know, somebody might make a mistake. Well, sell it to him. And then talk to him. And then he calls up and says, oh, my gosh, I, I must have made a mistake. Well, work it out then rather than telling me that you have to see the bids in case they put in bids too high or they're egregious or what have you. We got a bad policy, it seems to me, to address a very small problem. Yes, sir. Mike, we're going to slip away. We're going to hear from our sponsors for just a few minutes. We'll be back with more from Mike Branley on The Sale Ring. Stay tuned. Are you looking for heavy equipment but unsure where to start? Then you need to check out auctiontime.com. Buying great equipment has never been easier than bidding online at auctiontime.com. What are you waiting for? Online auctions are closing every Wednesday. So register and start bidding today. Auctiontime.com, the way to buy heavy equipment. Crude oil, natural gas, coal. Buying and selling minerals is a breeze when you have the right energy professionals on your team. Mineralmarketing.com is a leading resource for America's mineral owners. Whether you're wanting to lease or sell your mineral rights, Mineral Marketing has you covered. Mineralmarketing.com, the oil and gas marketplace. Thinking about selling a real estate investment but worried about the taxes you'll have to pay? Property owners just like you have solved their tax issue with a Starker Services 1031 exchange. One call could save you a fortune in taxes. Call Starker Services today at 800-332-1031 or visit online at www.starker.com and keep the tax dollars working for you. Ever dream of owning a country estate, historic home, or lakefront property? Log on to unitedcountry.com. Would you like to retire to a home built on breathtaking acreage in the mountains? Unitedcountry.com. Ever dream of your own private hunting preserve? UnitedCountry.com. Over 30,000 farm, recreational, and lifestyle properties are just a click away, helping people find their American dream for over 90 years. We will help you find yours. Log on now to UnitedCountry.com and find your freedom. And we're back with Mike Branley in the sale ring. Mike, uh, great, great topic as always. This In the first part of the show, we talked about those maximum bids and use, misuse of the maximum bid, man, I'm glad that's a brand new issue in the auction industry. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. We had never seen it before until just the other day, as I recall. Yeah, it just popped uh, up. It never so. happened, yeah. <laughs> but something we need to work on, because I'll tell you what, as we've discussed before on this platform, on the sale ring, bidders and buyers have choices. They can buy online from Amazon or eBay or Walmart or Target or wherever they want to go. And, you know, an auction, hell, when I was growing up, I mean, if I wanted something, then I'd either have to wait a week to have it shipped to, out to the farm or, or drive 30 miles to get it. Or maybe there was an auction Saturday down the, down the road and we can go there and get it. The auction was probably the easiest way to pick something up at a discount price. Well, I've got all kinds of choices now. Yeah. So if we keep mistreating bidders, we're not going to have any bidders. 
I had somebody contact me. They said, well, I don't see any shipping information. I said, well, it's just a few lots. And on this one, unfortunately, no shipping. You'll have to come pick it up. Just unfathomable. Yeah. I don't understand how you can operate in business today and not ship it to my door. Yeah. uh, I had to explain to her that it's a combine. (laughs) No, I'm just joking. (laughs) I can't drive it there. (laughs) You want it on your front porch? We can arrange that. (laughs) <laughs> well, let me get a calculator out. It does 23 miles an hour, stop bridges, fuel. Yeah, I can have it there by July. Right. By July. Nice. But, um, you know, it, and I joke about that. It was not a combine. But, it, you know, in, in some circumstances, I mean, she's right. She's right. We, we're a conditioned audience. You remember we talked on the last uh, show about people, you know, kind of conforming to be sheeple. Sometimes one goes through the gate and the rest of them say, oh, wow, the gate's open. And I just migrate through the gate. And where are we going? I don't know. Follow the line. That's what we do. They're 100% right. We have conditioned the audience for expediency, convenience. And they're going to, listen, this goes back to that same conversation that I had with the auctioneers the other day, Mike, is this is not about us or the survival of the auction industry or what it's about providing a service and being agile enough that as the markets change, as the conditions change, we have to change with it or we will soon be telephone operators. That's right. We'll we'll be obsolete. So she was right, you know, and it's kind of got for me, it got the wheels turned. I said, you know, even on these auctions where it's a pain in the butt, is there a shipping solution? And there was some unique circumstances where, you know, normally we would ship, but they're odd sizes. It was big pieces. And, and to be honest, the condition, the quality of it was not high enough. The shipping would be much higher than what the items were worth. And that's the real reason why it was just local pickup. It wasn't great stuff. Home yeah. Depot has stuff you can order on their website that they don't ship, that you have to go to your local Home Depot and pick up. I think people are understanding Maybe in that scenario, you just get, you say, well, there's no shipping. However, we've extended the pickup time and we'll schedule it or we'll have, or we will help you load it or, you know, we can kind of mitigate some of that extra pain there because they're not getting the ship, but there's stuff you can't ship. We we sell cars online. Uh, We've been doing online. We used to sell them live. Now we're selling them online. And somebody said, you know, I'm down in Kentucky. We're in Columbus, Ohio. When can I pick that up? And I said, well, it's Monday or Tuesday. He said, I can't get up there Monday or Tuesday. I said, well, we'll, you know, we'll work with you. We'll, we'll work something out. And people understand. I think if you work with them, they understand it. There's the key. There's the key. Are we keeping up? Are we being competitive in the environment? Do we offer at least comparable, if not the same, just comparable services as close as we can to other industries and are we willing to work with them? Are we good people and willing to negotiate? In contrast to what we talked about in the first part of this show, and that is, are you doing something that they're unaware of, and when they find out, they're going to be upset? So, it's interesting. You and I had a conversation, and Trina, while we were on break, we were talking about as is, where is, and I want you to elaborate more on that because I, I read your article, could not agree more. As with most things, you know, you and I seem to kind of view the world for the most part. There'll be things that Sean and Mike don't 100% agree on. These two, we definitely agree on, you know, maximum bids and the use of it, be transparent. I'm going to offer one more thing for the show before we move on to this next session. 
there is an alternative. And uh, we have, as part of our policy in the company that I operate, I operate an auction office out of Kansas City, a multi-state. You know, we conduct a lot of auctions, a lot of transactions. When that auction is over, the data from that auction is available to be viewed. If you want to see who, where the bids came in, who was bidding against you, if you, I have no problem with that, nor should anybody that's bidding on that platform. You know, I started years ago when I would get a call from somebody and say, hey, uh, you know, this, you're getting ready to sell this farm and I want to bid online uh, or I want to bid over the phone to you. I want you to be on the phone. And I said, well, great. Yeah, if you're busy, if you're on the tractor, if you're traveling, you're out of the country or whatever, we'll be glad to pick up the phone and you can bid and, and we'll, you know, do a wire transfer, electronic contract signatures, you know, whatever. If you buy the property, here's the caveat. I said, we're going to tell everybody in the room who we're talking to on the phone. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I don't want anybody to know that I'm the guy bidding. I said, then we can't take your phone bid. Yeah. And the reason is, kind of goes back to this maximum bid. We had a lot of people kind of screwing it up for us. We, because we had a lot of people in the auction business, a lot of auctioneers, not people. We had a lot of auctioneers that were having phone conversations. And it turns out in the corner of the room, there's nobody else on the phone. <laughs> right, right. And they're just sitting gigging people. They're just running the bit. Well, it, it, that, that hangs a dark cloud over it. And where this really hit a home run with me is um, in Western Kansas and a few other areas, they're doing these phone auctions. If you've seen those where they, you know, and it's a concierge. I, I'm actually starting to kind of, I have not done one myself. And we're thinking about maybe starting to invest in that because the tracking report, the sheet, when it's finished, it will show you, it can show you everybody on a spreadsheet that is bid in that auction, where the call was made, the bids coming. It's completely transparent. Yeah. Hey, it's a competitive auction. And once the auction's over, here's what happened. And congratulations, Mr. Smith, you bought the farm. Yeah. yeah. No reason for anybody to be upset about that. No reason for any hard feelings. The maximum bid feature could be handled the same way. If you're going to do that, just be prepared to show that document, to show that data on the back end. I would say that alleviates some of the frustration. I can tell you this, as you know, Mike, you are going to show it if you get a subpoena for your records. <laughs> I was and just going to say, uh, if, if you're on the side of, I got all proper procedure here and I'm sharing the bidder list or showing the increments or showing who was on where or what have you, that's all good. You got nothing to hide. I'd be glad to show it. On the other side, online platform, registering <laughs> fake bidders or, you know, names that don't exist and running bids up or whatever. And then they think they can hide that. Well, in court, they can't hide that. And we've had, I've been sitting there. I've seen it. Those bitter records are, are subpoenaed, court ordered, and they're laying on my desk at home or laying in the attorney's office. And here's this same bidder. I had one where this bidder on real estate had bid on, I think, probably 50 or 60 properties and was the runner-up bidder on every one of them. Now, what's that tell you? It didn't take me too long to figure out what was going on. Tell your friends you get your information on the Sale Ring Podcast Show. There's a misconception when you delete that information off your computer, it's gone forever. What you fail to realize is that online bidding portal out there has got those records on a server somewhere. and They're there for a long, long time. They, they can yeah. be called back up and will be called up if somebody wants to push the issue. 
Let's talk about as is. You're selling as is, where is, but educate me when I read this article. Who would advertise a property that we're selling as is, where is, but you can't come look at it? Yeah. Now, I can think of a scenario, and I'm going to shut up here after this, of where there may be a physical condition reason or an environmental reason or something why you can't go in a property because of exposure. I mean, we're selling this to you under this condition. You can't go inside the property because the floor is falling through on the house. So, yeah. I look around the outside, stick your head in the window, whatever, but I can't physically let you go in because it's a condition issue. But you're disclosing all that up front that they're buying it's basically you're buying it for the land and you're going to clear the house off of it, right? right. But right. give me a scenario where you're selling property as is and they, they can't inspect it. Why? Well, I think I'd seen articles. I'd seen attorneys argue. I'd seen auctioneers argue. There's no compulsion. An auctioneer doesn't have to offer the opportunity to preview. You don't really have to have people preview. You just got to give them an opportunity to preview. If you're selling as is, and where is? And I thought, well, that just doesn't make any sense to me. Why would you not offer a preview? And particularly if somebody desired or contacted you and said, hey, I want to come look. I want to check it out ahead of time. Well, I mean, don't you want them to? What are you hiding? You know, it's kind of the yeah. presumption if you, if you won't let them look. But it was suggested legally that the laws in the United States that I had read a month ago or so said, well, there's no requirement. So I, I'm tooling around the internet, and I do that a lot, and I found this attorney in New York, Richard Stem, and Richard Stem wrote an article. Uh, he's a copy, trademark, patent attorney by trade, but he does other stuff, and he wrote an article about as-is, selling as-is, and he said, you know, you can sell as-is. There's nothing wrong with that, and he said uh, the longstanding rule prior to contemporary times here was that, generally speaking, it was buyer beware, mm-hmm. and so the, the buyer had a obligation to inspect ahead of time. Well, if they got an obligation to inspect ahead of time and you don't let them in to inspect ahead of time, how do they inspect ahead of time? They can't. And he said, but more contemporarily here, we're selling as is and where he is. And if you don't want a problem, if you don't want a lawsuit, if you don't want a complaint, essentially, you've got to let them in. You've got to give them the opportunity to preview. And I don't know that he qualified it so much that, well, they don't have to necessarily take advantage of it, but he used the words. Here's, here's the words, a reasonable opportunity to preview, a reasonable opportunity to preview. Now, somebody on Facebook commented, because I wrote that blog about it. I did a video about it. And she said, well, we sell online. And if we're in, I don't know where she was, Maine or something, uh, I got a bidder in California. Well, how are they going to preview? And I said, it isn't that they have to preview. It's mm-hmm. have, you have to give them the you have opportunity. To offer them, yeah. To be yeah. provided the opportunity to preview. Yes. yes. So it's, it just seems counter to, you know, you, Sean, more to your question. Why would an auctioneer not want to provide a uh, preview or inspection? And what are you asking for if you don't give somebody a preview? Well, they're going to they're gonna buy it. They're going to participate. Uh, they have the choice not to, of course, but if they do and they're the buyer and they come in and then they say, well, wait a minute, I didn't know this had this or I didn't know it didn't have break. Well, you didn't know that because I didn't let you look at it. Yeah. Well, you know, we're right back where we were in our earlier topic here. We're treating people like that. Really? 
and we expect them to attend the next auction, they're not going to attend the next auction. Do you go into Walmart and say, hey, I want to look for the weekend's coming up. I need a blender. They say, well, yeah, they're down here, but you can't look at them or touch them or anything. I mean, what, what do you yeah. <laughs> come on, What do you mean I can't look at them? Well, we got three just or four give me, miles, Just give me your money and I'll go get one off the shelf. I'll pick it. You don't need to pick it. I'll pick it. I, I'm the blender picker in this store, brother. I'm the blender picker. Nice. Well, Mike, I see the whole uh, no property previews a lot in like the foreclosure market around our, in our parts anyway. There was actually a house here out way out from where we are, but I really, really, really wanted it. Uh-huh. And it sat on um, Zillow for for lack of, yeah. <laughs> of uh, yeah, it sat on Zillow for two years saying that it was going to be given to a realtor, but actually an auction house had it, but they, it, they weren't allowing any previews at all. So it literally sat there for two years with no movement, no auction, no anything because nobody can yeah. get into it. You don't know what you're buying. Exactly. Um, but I see that a lot with foreclosures. Um, that wasn't the first or the last one that I've seen uh, on Zillow listed that way. That is a foreclosure. The tenants may still be there and that's why you can't go look at it. Well, the general rule around the United States, we have title states and lien states. Lien states do foreclosure, title states do repossession. We're a foreclosure state. We're a lien state, Ohio. And the sheriff that conducts the auctions or the common police court that conducts the auctions, they say, we don't have any opportunity to preview. But the reason they say that is they don't have a right to let you in anyway, because they don't own the property. The borrower owns the property or it's released the tenants in possession. So conceivably, I know guys in Columbus where I'm located, the capital city here, that go out to foreclosure properties, knock on the door and say, hey, here's 50 bucks. I know you guys realize you're in foreclosure. Yeah, we understand that. Well, here's $50 if you let me look around for a few minutes and they can let them in. You can come over to my house for a hundred bucks tonight and look around if you want to. I mean, you know, you can get in. You just can't get in per the sheriff or the court because they don't have any authority to let you. Yeah. I wanted to make sure everybody caught that. Uh, tonight, Mike Branley's house, a hundred dollars <laughs> around as much as you want. <laughs> right. <laughs> We'll form a line. You have to stay we'll form a line. Yeah, meet in the front yard. There'll be snacks. Um, Mike, what's that address again? Out there to your personal residence. Then uh, uh, moving to Kansas City, Sean. <laughs> yeah. Oh, let's slip away. Let's hear from our sponsors. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Well, I want to finish up this topic as is, where is, with no inspections. We'll have uh, a little bit more on that when we come back from the break. Ever dream of owning a country estate, historic home, or lakefront property? Log on to unitedcountry.com. Would you like to retire to a home built on breathtaking acreage in the mountains? Unitedcountry.com. Ever dream of your own private hunting preserve? UnitedCountry.com. Over 30,000 farm, recreational, and lifestyle properties are just a click away, helping people find their American dream for over 90 years. We will help you find yours. Log on now to UnitedCountry.com and find your freedom. 
Thinking about selling a real estate investment, but worried about the taxes you'll have to pay? Property owners just like you have solved their tax issue with a Starker Services 1031 exchange. One call could save you a fortune in taxes. Call Starker Services today at 800-332-1031 or visit online at www.starker.com and keep the tax dollars working for you. Are you looking for heavy equipment but unsure where to start? Then you need to check out AuctionTime.com. Find great equipment has never been easier than bidding online at AuctionTime.com. What are you waiting for? Online auctions are closing every Wednesday. So register and start bidding today. AuctionTime.com. The way to buy heavy equipment. Crude oil, natural gas, coal. Buying and selling minerals is a breeze when you have the right energy professionals on your team. Mineralmarketing.com is a leading resource for America's mineral owners. Whether you're wanting to lease or sell your mineral rights, Mineral Marketing has you covered. Mineralmarketing.com, the oil and gas marketplace. And we're back in the studio with Mike Branley and Trina. We're we're talking on break about, um, it, it's interesting, the first part of this show can be misconstrued or misused maximum bids because it's in the benefit of the seller, right? Mm-hmm. There's no way that selling something as is, where is, unless there's some inherent liability, it's a, a condition issue, something that would cause harm to somebody else. There's no reason not to let people see or to inspect product uh, items yeah. that you're selling at auction, that would be counterproductive to the first argument that I'm doing this because it's beneficial to the seller. Well, what you're doing in this conversation is clearly not beneficial to the seller. It is not. Uh, we're, we're not letting you look at it. We're not letting you inspect it. You can't come on the lot. You can't make an appointment to come out to the ranch or the farm to take a look. We're just not offering it. So you got to register online and bid. Well, what does that bidder you know, what are we telling the bidder to do? Be suspicious that mm-hmm. something's up. I think in that article that Richard Stem, the attorney in New York wrote, he said, you know, he talked about a car and he said, you're selling the car as is, but you won't let me look at it. So I assume maybe it's a gear shift missing, no brakes, dead body in the trunk. What do we got going here? You know, <laughs> dead body uh, in the did you say he was from again? New York. <laughs> uh, maybe. Yeah. yeah. I'm so, going with the body. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> so, it would invite people, I guess, in a plain sense, it would invite people to bid less, not more, mm-hmm. because they're suspicious. Or if at all. I mean, no, if, at if, all. That's right. yeah, if you're going to buy a car and you can't even look at it, I mean, what's the advantage of buying that car? Why wouldn't you just go to Auto Trader or somebody else and find a different car? And there are, you know, Carvana, maybe you can't preview the car. You put a coin yeah. in the vending machine or whatever, but guess what they do? You get seven days. Yeah, to return it. Yeah. Return it. So let's see if I got this straight. You can't preview it. You can't look at it ahead of time. You're buying it as is, where is. I say sold and it's over. And you can't exchange it or return it or get your money back. Or or we can't discount if you find something later. What the hell kind of, what are we doing here? I mean, we expect people to buy in that environment when no other retail platform, no other store, no other shop, no other company deals that way. Yeah. yeah, Trina brings up a good point. What if you receive no bids because yeah. of the condition that you've set the seller and the property up in? 
they're too scared of the liability. Well, if you're selling me as is where he is, I have to take it. I'm in a contractual agreement and you won't let me see it ahead of time. What are you trying to do to me? You're, you're, how do I know you're not trying to shift some liability over on me that you knew about? And now my job is, because we're in an argument, we're in a, a complaint, is now I have to prove that you intentionally tried to deceit, create deceit. Yes. You duped me. Well, when would an auctioneer look at a property and say, well, we better not let anybody preview this? Well, because it's got a problem. I'm yeah. trying to hide something. Bidder's not going to be happy with his purchase or her purchase. So we're going to, and as we were discussing, you know, a $50 item, a $500 item, a $50,000 item, you might not be in court, $5 million item, as is, no preview. Yeah. I can tell you what court and what time, because mm-hmm. it's going to happen. Yes, sir. As is, where is, clarify that real quick. As is, where is, I think I understand what as is is, but for the listeners out there, where is? Well, as is in the condition it's presently in, when you say sold, what condition is it in? And and the buyer has a reasonable, I say reasonable, of course, a reasonable expectation that it'll be in that same condition when he picks it up a week later, you know, because it's in your possession between sold and a week later. So as is, it, it either has brakes or doesn't have brakes. It, it's got a headlight or it doesn't have a headlight, it, whatever. Where is, is where it's located. So it's in Columbus, Ohio. It's in Kansas City. It's in Minneapolis, wherever it is. And as is, where is assumes that we're not expressly guaranteeing anything about it. Because see, if you expressly say this car runs and moves and it's good and you can drive it home and you say that, it has to be running and good and drive home. You can't disclaim express warranties, but you can waive implied warranties. So you say, here's the car. You have a picture of the car, your picture of the farm for that matter. Here's a picture of it. I might be implying that it does a certain thing or you can raise a certain crop or put in certain livestock on it, but I didn't tell you that. But as long as I let you in, you can decide that the preview is paramount in that case so that you don't have a claim against you later on. Quite frankly, too many auctioneers focus on, as we were talking about in our first section here, maximizing dollars for the seller on high dollar assets. You have to worry about two things maximizing the dollars ethically and reasonably and, and legally, but to protect the seller from litigation, protect the seller from a lawsuit. Well, if you're selling high dollar stuff and you're not letting them in ahead of time to look at it, you might be maximizing the dollars. You might not be maximizing the dollars, but you certainly are not protecting your client from potential litigation. You're probably failing on both. So the key takeaway from that is ride and drive on a car that's being sold, that's not a bad deal unless the buyer is the one that's getting the road on the deal. <laughs> or run over. <laughs> or ran over. That can be a problem. And you're setting, as you just said, instead of maximizing the dollar, you're setting that seller up for inherent liability out of the transaction that could have been avoided. It is so easy to avoid. It is so simple set up a preview time. We sell cars here in Columbus. We have a preview time that the entire day before the auction, they can come in nine o'clock in the morning to five o'clock at night and come on the lot and look and Jerome's there and he'll open up. He'll start them up if he's got a key or whatever. 
let you hear them run, move them back and forth, whatever. I mean, he's there at your disposal to let you preview, get a thorough preview. You can preview the day of the auction. You can preview by appointment. Otherwise, you know, on cars like that, yeah, we sell as is, but we offer that preview and he's protected. We're protected. I'm protecting our client here that's selling those cars. I'm saying, hey, we got to offer preview because if we don't, then we got a potential problem. And, you know, the, not necessarily high dollar compared to, say, a, a $4 million ranch or a $10 million deal or a $50 million deal. But um, why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. It's easy to do. I think it's, um, to me, it's common sense for apparently not everybody, but uh, most of the buyers out there in the consumer audience are going to want to see something before they place a bid on it. They're at least going to want to have some intimate knowledge of condition, location. I thought about something when you said where is. It's not always just about geography of it's in Kansas City or it's an hour south of uh, Chicago or it's, it's in this there's implied of where is, is it's out in the middle of that field. It's in that gulch and you're buying. So you're buying something antique that's been in this tree row for 60 years and it has some value. You know, you're buying something of value. That doesn't mean it's worth a million bucks. Maybe it's only worth a thousand dollars or $500, but we're not moving it out of that tree row. You're, you're buying it right there on site. And the best way to avoid any misunderstandings is let them go look at it. Mm-hmm. I don't walk out there, drive out there and look at the property, right? Yeah, it's it's not hard to do. And as I commented in my uh, writing about this, there's no obligation that auctioneers sell as is and where is. I remember getting in the auction business and listening to my mentor here in Columbus. Every single auction, he announced, hey, guys, you're buying stuff as is and where is. So when I got on my own, what did I say? You're buying stuff as is, where is. I still remember today a bidder coming up, a pretty good bidder. He says, why do you guys always say as is and where is? I said, I say it because my boss did. And a lot of auctioneers do it because their father did or their mother did or their grandfather did or whatever. They don't know any different. You don't have to sell as is, where is. You can just say, we're selling this stuff. I'm going to describe it. Uh, Carvana, they don't sell as is necessarily, but what do they do? They offer you a solution if you're not happy with the car after you get it. Auctioneers could, some auctioneers, I think the auction community would be surprised. There are auctioneers that sell with guarantees and warranties or expressed warranties. And if they're wrong or the bidder's unhappy or it's not what they wanted or it was misdescribed, they exchange it. They let them return it. Well, I mean, I think you could do either one. You could sell as is with a preview or don't sell as is then. All right, don't sell as is but allow them some return policy exchange, what have you, if they're not happy. You, I think you've got to do one or the other. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I couldn't agree more. Pick a side. You know, if, if you're going to sell it as is, where is, then uh, you got to let them look at it. If you're not going to let them look at it, then you need to give them a trial period on the back end uh, for satisfaction and uh, maybe you resell it, you know, if, yeah. um, but think that the days of uh, a man behind the curtain, you know, a person over here pulling strings or, you know, throwing a blanket over and said, no, you, you know, you should have looked at it yesterday. Now you just have to buy it sight unseen. And it's a disservice to the community. It's a disservice to the profession. And above all, it's a disservice to the client, which you do have a fiduciary responsibility 
to act in their best interest and, and to provide an ethical, legal, and moral service out there to them. Yeah. Mike, as always, this has been great. That's about our time on the show. How do they find you? How do they find Mike Branley? We talk about this on every show, but talk about it again. Well, the blog that we've been uh, referencing is mikebrantleyauctioneer.wordpress.com. Uh, so, and uh, hopefully if I'm doing my work here, doing it right, all you got to do is get to Google and type in some auction topic, if you will, and you'll probably run across something I wrote. I hope so. That's the plan. My phone number is 614-461-9229. Not hard to find there either. So uh, if you call or text or uh, check the blog there, there's a place you can put comments or what have you or get a hold of me as well. Mike, thank you so much for being on the show. And Trina, uh, enjoy your canoe trip uh, today and trout fishing, whatever else you've got going on out there. That's great. In your living room slash lake. That's beautiful. Thank you. We want to thank you for tuning in to this episode, and we will see you next time inside the cell ring. This episode has ended, but your journey to greatness continues. To access all resources and links mentioned in today's show, head over to www.thesailring.com now. That's www.thesailring.com.